So we are in week three of a four-week series called Beyond, and I'm excited to be continuing with that today. Uh, We kicked off Easter Sunday, and it was a great Sunday of celebration. It was a great Sunday of faith. We talked about Beyond the Cross, and, and it was as part of a response to the message, we set up a chalkboard here at the front and people came and, and responded to that by, by writing things on that chalkboard of what they were getting beyond and how God had, had already delivered them, but also in faith that God would deliver. And we had, we had about 60 people come forward and write things, and it was great to see the breakthrough that came with that from what Jesus did on the cross, and we celebrated that. I'm also excited to report that since Easter and through the Easter season, we actually had 12 people accept Jesus as their Savior, get saved, be born again, however you want to put that. So, 12. I mean, that's a pretty exciting number in and of itself, but it's like, I am so impressed and so excited with that and seeing people renew, some renew their relationship with God, but come to God. And then last week, we looked at living in freedom by his power at work in us and walking in the freedom that God brings. And, And that's That's really where I talked about living beyond limits because we have our limitations. We have things that we're overcoming, but God allows us by his spirit and through his power to live beyond that. And we, and we, we use the scripture now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or think. It's like the God who is able to do so much more to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus forever. It's like, so we celebrate that. That was last week. And so we move on from there this week to be beyond words beyond words. We've all likely had experiences in our lives, either so profound and so wonderful or unfortunately sometimes so horrific and so challenging that we struggle to put it into words. We struggle to to articulate that moment with mere words. And when when we talk about that, we say, you know, it's like sometimes those moments are beyond words. And so we use that phrase. I feel that sometimes even worship can be like that. It's like when you think about we're trying to exalt and we're trying to to reach out and honor God who is beyond words and through worship, which is where we try to put into words. And I'm so thankful for songwriters and for hymn writers and for poets and artists that throughout the years have been able to articulate and put things into words that give us some expression when it's difficult for us to find those ourselves. I love our team and the, and the, the ability to be able to lead us into that when it's beyond words. So, so though, we, though we usually think of beyond words in the way that I've just described it, for the purposes of this message today, I actually want to consider what we do in light of what we say, what we do in light of what we hear and know as being beyond words. So the actions that follow our confession or follow what we believe, the response to our words and to his words, to consider that our Christian walk is beyond mere words but really captures every aspect of our being and doing, beyond words. Let me give you a scripture as an as an illustration to what I mean, and it's found in the book of James, and it's James chapter 1, and it starts at verse 22. It's James chapter 1, and it says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Right, so that's beyond words, right? So don't just merely hear it. Don't just merely learn it, 
but actually do what it says. That's beyond words. It says anyone who listens to the word but does not do, do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after see, looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed by what he does. All right, so it's beyond words. It's like we've got word, we know things, we, we receive things, but it's living beyond that. That's living from a place of honest reflection, right? Looking into his word, a place of honest reflection and allowing the freedom that comes from that to be manifest in our lives. That's allowing what God says about us and about others to speak louder than our li- in our lives than our past or ourself. Allowing God to really speak to and us to receive it James says that person will live a blessed life. That's pretty cool. Think of it this way. I can say that I love my wife, and I do, often. But I also love my wife in action, in attitude, in commitment, and I am blessed beyond words, right? So it's like it's more than just saying it. It's living it out. It's life beyond words. I actually believe that the most important words for a Christian are found in Scripture. The most important words for us to live by are found in his word. His word becomes our word, and as we apply that to our lives, it produces good things in our lives. Jesus taught many times in parables. So when Jesus was here on earth and he was, he was ministering to, to the people that followed him and came close to him, he would often use illustrations or parables to communicate. And what such, one such parable, it's found in Mark chapter 4, was the parable of the sower. And in this, Jesus describes a farmer who goes out and he sows seed. And as he sows seed, some falls on the path, some falls on rocky soil, some falls among thorns, and some falls on good soil. So the people would have easily related to that because they, they were farmers. It was, a, it was a, a culture where that happened a lot, where they sowed seed and that was part of their livelihood. So they would have, him saying this, they've been able to picture someone out sowing seed and where it would fall. So they understood that part, but they didn't necessarily understand what it meant. So he's saying this, the kingdom of God is like this, and so this happened. So his disciples say, uh, Jesus, um, what do you mean? And, and it's interesting, I love how, you know, Jesus is meek and mild and kind and warm and wonderful all the time, but I love how Scripture records how he says this in Mark chapter 4, verse 13. Chapter, uh, Mark 4, 13 says, Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Um, it's hard, it's, you can say that with a very gentle, soft, warm tone, but it's like you kind of, at the same time, you're like, Jesus is like, um, yeah. So he begins to, to explain it. And so the, he says, the farmer sows the word. So the message of the gospel, the word is what the farmer sows. Some people are like seed along the path who, where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others are seed sown in rocky places, hear the word, and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution comes because of the word, because of the word they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires of other things come in and they choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop 30, 60, even 100 times what was sown. It's, the word is the same. The word is good. The word is the truth, right? So the gospel, God's word. 
So the, so the seed was good seed. And then he says, but when we accept it, so it's moving from just hearing it, because the ones with the thorns and the worries and the deceitfulness of wealth, they heard it. But to those, when we, when we receive it and accept it, we move into a realm beyond words where our lives become increasingly productive. Yes. Produces a fruit, like not just a little bit. Like he's talking miraculous um, like production from this. Like that was, would have been like, man, I wish I could sow a seed and get that kind of return on it, right? So it's like saying a hundredfold was a miraculous return on the investment. And his point was not everyone will live beyond words. Not everyone will produce a crop. Not everyone will, will accept what's been said. But we want to be good soil. We want to accept the word and apply it and produce a crop. And I love it because I believe this church is good soil. I, I believe that this is the kind of a place when we gather that the people that make up this church as a community, as a family, that we live in such a way as to produce a crop, that we believe that God is at work. Faith Tabernacle Church, I mean, it's more than a name. It, it, it represents a group of people. It, it's, a, it's a force to be reckoned with. It's, it's, it's the kingdom of God advancing in our city, and, and we're called to love our city. We're called to reach our city. We're called to pastor our city. We are faith, and we will always be faith. But, you know, I can't help but think that Faith City Church better reflects who we are and where we're going when you think about it. I mean, faith is our foundation. Faith is our foundation. City is our mission, and church is our calling. Faith City Church. Hmm. Hmm. It's got a ring to it, doesn't it? It's actually something we're pursuing, so stay tuned. It's new things on the way, new look, new things. But it'll take some time to complete. Regardless of the name, it's the same group of dedicated, passionate people called to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city and the world. Faith City Church. I mean, it does have a nice ring to it. So, for us to believe and to live beyond words, it's to live out our mission. It's not just something that we say. Like bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city and to the world, it's not something that we just say. It's who we are. It's where we invest. It's the lens through which we see ministry. It's like we, we, we invest in those things. We, we invest in the next generation. We believe in missions, and we, we invest in things like Jesus to the Nations and Harlan and Helene Purdy and, and the, the group that's going off to Malawi. Uh, sorry, Uganda, not Malawi, Uganda. Very soon, like on a, on, a, on a mission trip, like we invest in those things. Why? Because, I mean, it's who we are. It's, it's a definition of we are faith. <clears throat> I almost said faith city church. <laughs> we are faith, and we believe in the mission that God's given us. And so we use that as a filter, and we use that, that empowers, and we live beyond those words, and God help us to live beyond those words. So living beyond words is, is being a doer, not just a hearer. But I also want us to consider a different aspect of, of beyond words. And it's in the area of the supernatural. It's in the area of the divine power at work in us. And it's not safe, and it's not boring. It's out there. It says that in Mark 16, verse 19, after Jesus had spoken to them, Mark 16, 19, 
It says, after he had spoken to them, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, he was taken up into heaven and sat at the right hand of God. Now, that's freaky enough as it is. All right, so they're talking to him, and boom, he's gone. Then the disciples, I love this, then the disciples went out and they preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by signs that accompanied it. That's beyond words. Like, the, the word went out. They preached the gospel. And it's like the power of God in that was so with them and so reinforced what was going on that signs and wonders followed. The ministry of the disciples was characterized by preaching of the gospel accompanied by the power of God in the supernatural. Healings, signs, wonders, the gifts of the Spirit in operation. There was power beyond words. We actually live in a culture in an era where we can be so, so self-sufficient. We have resources. We have access to everything under the sun to meet our needs and wants. We have internet. We have technology. We have medical care. We have so, so many things. And those things are not bad in and of themselves. Like that, They are fantastic things, and I believe God has given us the ability even to do that. But... I think it can tend to leave us not needing God. One of the spectacular moves of God that's happening around this world is in, are in places that don't have those kind of things as much. They can't rely on those things as much. And they rely on God even more, and God is showing up. And God is doing crazy things in their midst. But the New Testament seems to depict miracles as part of what it's meant to be a follower of Christ. I want to look at Luke chapter 9. Again, this is Jesus sending out the 12. And it's recorded in different areas of the scripture. But in Luke chapter 9, starting at verse 1, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I mean, you can read that, words on a page, but... Jesus, God himself, through Christ, called the 12 together. People, human. I want you to think of their pedigree. Right? Peter. He was nowhere near perfect. Matthew was a tax collector. James and John, sons of thunder who were impetuous and made mistakes and said things that they shouldn't have. These 12, they weren't the creme de la creme. They were average people. Now, you all are above average people, so to say the very least, even compared to the disciples, right? When we think about this, Jesus says to them, I give you power and authority. And you skip down to verse 6 of Luke chapter 9. Beyond words. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. (laughs) I want you to think about that. I mean, it's one thing. um, There's a saying, and it actually comes from gambling, so I don't condone it, but that says, put your money where your mouth is. You're making brags. You're talking about something. But it's like this idea of, all right, if you're talking a good game, then, then let's see some, let's, what are you willing to invest in it? What are, you, where are, you, are you willing to put something behind what you're saying? So they went from village to village preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. 
This gets messy in a hurry. This brings in floods of questions. Because we've all seen people that we know and love get prayed for and not get healed. And you know what? We know that 100% of the people that Jesus healed died. Lazarus is not still wandering around in grave clothes going, man, it feels good to be out of that tomb. So what was up with that? So what was God up to? What was the purpose of what Jesus was doing? Because nobody, it wasn't really to avoid physical death because we knew that was coming. I believe it was to display God's power over this broken world that we live in. To recognize that we are not at the mercy of our circumstance. You know, last few, couple weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. And, and the message of Easter is that the grave is not the end. That God in himself raised Jesus from the dead. Like the grave is not the end. It's not the worst thing. And Jesus overcame the grave so that all who believe in him might have eternal life in him. But he still does miracles. But he still does miracles. And miracles, I believe, still happen today. And yet sometimes it seems a bit of a mystery. But it would seem for the early church and for many instances throughout history that God gives us a glimpse of what is to come by injecting a touch of his power into the everyday lives of people on earth. He'll do a miracle. And when the good news of the gospel is accompanied by the power of God at work, it often leads to people believing and receiving Jesus as Savior. Not just healer. <laughs> it's beyond words. Now, this is a stretch for us, right? This is, this, this is a little bit, I'm first to admit that this is out of my comfort zone. We're talking about trusting God in the area of the supernatural where it's totally up to him. And, and we say, like, hey, what is our part in that? Like, how do we explain some of the times when something does happen when it doesn't happen? I mean, prayer is a very complex organism. <laughs> and yet, I think sometimes we can... Settle? It's, it's easier to, to live at a, at a faith level that doesn't require as much just in case God doesn't show up. Just in case dancers know. Just in case that person doesn't get better. I mean, I'm not the only one, right? We've all done hospital, well, maybe not all. I was going to say we've all done hospital visits. Okay, never mind. Scratch that one. We've all known people that in t at times when we're like, you feel your heart start to beat faster and you start to get sweaty palms because you're in the midst of something and you're in circumstances and you're thinking, what would Jesus do here? Or, or what would be, what if? What if? What if? We read in, in John chapter 4, this is another instance of Jesus healing and this was in John's gospel it, it puts this miracle towards the beginning of Jesus ministry so the, the order of it is specific to John's gospel and so we, we have this situation where there's a royal official so somebody that's got some clout politically 
that, um, whose son is dying of a fever. It's not looking good. The boy's not expected to live. And when he found out Jesus was in the area, he begged him to heal his son. So in John chapter 4, verse 48, it's, it's, we, we've had the official come and ask Jesus, and Jesus is, 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 hears him. And, and again, you can almost hear a little bit of frustration in his voice, but maybe not. Maybe that's just me projecting on this scripture. But John 4, 48 says, Unless you people hear or see miraculous signs and wonders, Jesus told them, you will never believe. That's probably just me. Jesus might have been more like, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you, you will never believe. Never believe. And, and the royal officer says, Sir, come down before my child dies. It's like, it's like, enough words, Jesus, enough words. Jesus replied, You can go, your son will live. <laughs> the man took Jesus at his word. Wow. Wow. And he departed. I mean, how many of us would have been at his feet, groveling, like, Jesus, please. No, 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 come with me, Jesus. Come with me. Like, and Jesus is like, no, I, I, it's done. You can go. Be free. Like, go home. So he did. And so while he's still on the way, and just icing on the cake, like, while he's still on the way, his servants meet him with the news that the boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, the fever left him yesterday at the seventh hour. Father goes. When he realized that it was the exact time in which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. So he, so he, so he and all his household believed. He and all his household. Now the household wasn't two or three people. It was like the whole family, like, right? It was servants. It was, it was in-laws, outlaws. It was sons, daughters, grandparents. It was the whole deal. Jesus says, no, he'll be fine. Go home. And the results of that are this huge transformation in the family. You know, we are, man. Can you imagine being like that royal official or people in our city being like that of the royal official? Leaders in our city. Can you imagine if faith became such a place of faith and miracles? Mm. If something's going sideways in our city, did they come here looking for a miracle? Not because it's us, but because of the God we believe in, the God we serve. The, 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 I mean, it's, it's where your faith is placed, right? It's, it's not faith in and of itself. It's where it's, can you imagine the impact on our city? So he and all his household were saved. You know, we live in a pretty cynical world. It's a cynical, unbelieving culture, and I'm afraid that it's true of the church at times. It's as if the world that we live in is so cynical. And we're called to speak the truth in love. We're called to share the gospel with our city and to the world. And it seems to me that there was an expectancy in Jesus' day that the supernatural things would accompany that. What if? What if, what if we took a risk? 
What if we risked looking foolish in the eyes of the cynics and lovingly, respectfully began to pray with expectancy for those we're trying to reach? With a sense that the power of God, the supernatural power of God is at work. You know, it says the same power that raised Christ from the grave lives in us. What if we stepped out in faith and took a risk in the area of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Then when it comes to interacting with those around us, that we're sensitive to what God is doing. And this gets messy. We will make mistakes. Mistakes have been made in the past that scare us to death because we don't want to be counted among them. But what if? What if? (laughs) What if we prayed 100 prayers and prayed for 100 people and one got healed? What if we met together in faith a hundred times and once out of that hundred God showed up and 60 people came forward and wrote what they're getting over, what they're overcoming on a blackboard. What if during the course of a couple weeks 12 people who were lost into eternity broken without hope, heard the good news and said, that's for me, and accepted Jesus? What if we began to believe that in the process of taking communion, and part of it's like by his stripes we are healed, his broken body was to bring us wholeness, and, and as we take communion across this room, people started to get healed. What if? What if people encountered the power of God as well as the word of God? I'm the first to admit that that's way out of my comfort zone, but what if? What if? Guys, we are called to live beyond words. The word is good, the word is powerful, the word is truth. But we've got to live in that place beyond that, where faith where there's enough of a gap, you know, I talked about lowering the standard, you know, it was like, we kind of like, don't want to ask for anything that if God doesn't answer, but what if we stepped off the ledge and asked for things that if God doesn't show up, what do we got to lose, really? Our pride? Wow, I could use a few bumps anyway, right? Let's stand together. That's the I f- sorry, yeah, sorry, Jordan. I asked him to stand. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to go into communion, which is the reason why the people in front of me have a run sheet, because they're trying to keep me on track. But let me pray for you. God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you that there's freedom in your word, there's power in your word. God, that your word changes things, but God, we want to live in that transformation. We want to live in that change. We want to live beyond words. God, we want to be a church that's known for your power, your presence, miracles, signs, and wonders. God, not for our glory, but for your glory and the furtherance of your kingdom. That people would be drawn to you, not to us. 
that people would find freedom and healing and transformation because of what you're doing, not because of what we're doing. That our services, though put together and, and well thought out and intentional, God, that there would be so much more for people to encounter than great music and a great atmosphere. But God, that they would encounter you in a powerful way. God, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you, God, that you are at work. And Lord, in faith, God, would you just do what we can't do ourselves even now? Holy Spirit, work in us. Act in our lives. Help us to live beyond words, I pray in Jesus' name.